0: We pray this morning, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts. Help us, O God, to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, I pray, Lord, that we would be Christians who walk worthy of your calling on our life. And the manner in which we live will be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we are your people. And we're not a perfect people. We are a people who stumble. We are a people who fall. But, oh God, we're so thankful, oh Lord, that you're always there to help us. To lift us up. To start us anew. So may you continue, Lord, to be the faithful God that you are. And continue to teach us to be faithful and loyal to you. We love you, Lord. Minister to us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue on with this thing called divorce. And after divorce, I have one more, I think, on divorce. We're going to dive into family. And family is made up in many different ways today. But we're going to dive into it and hopefully cover each section. In this thing called divorce, and this is from Gus Brown now, after many years, per se, I think sometimes that the church, we've handled divorce wrongly. With a good perspective of yes, yes, we want to preserve the original. The problem is, we're not in the garden no more. We're not in Eden anymore. And basically, the church have come up with three main key areas with this thing called divorce that we basically try to boil it down into one of these three. And I think it has to extend to much more than just these three today. One would be B-C-A-C before Christ, after Christ. If you got divorced before you became saved then it really don't matter once you become saved because you're not accountable for what you did over here when you're not saved but only when you become saved. I think God's word covers all of us. Whether we want to accept it or not because of this basis, we will all be judged by one word, whether it be the unsaved or the saved. We all will be judged by one thing, God's word. Number two, we're both divorced down to one area basically adultery or fornication and I think it has to be much broader than that and I hope to show it in scripture and then number three is well if the unbeliever decides to leave we let him go we let him go and uh you're not held in bondage because they decided to leave divorce was never part of God's original plan God never brought Eve to Adam talking about okay you guys make it as long as you can and when you can no longer make it then you divorce that was not God's plan But because of circumstances that sometimes we don't want to face is this. Divorce is part of a sinful world. Divorce is a part of a sinful world. As much as we would like to try and say as Christians... That it would not happen, but we're seeing more and more of it in the Christian world and the effects of that. And we can't just keep somewhat saying, boy, uh, we're not going to teach it or we're not going to handle it. Or we're going to kind of like try to stay away from it or, or just hit those three main points that I talked about. But that somehow we have to begin, even with divorce to become the peacemakers. Boy. When one person decides the marriage is over, guess what? But then somebody got to become the peacemaker. So I've helped people go through divorce to slice through the anger, the bitterness. And we sat in my office, made his list out, her list out. And then they both sign it, and I sign it. And the thing is, okay, you both take this to your attorney and say this is what you basically want. The goal of that is to be this. Can we be friends after this? Without embittering our children. Without helping, helping our children to see that we can still function for their benefits, other than they seeing just torn apart and this constant war and fighting and bickering and trying to destroy each other. So somewhere, yes, the church has to deal with divorce. Even among two Christians. Even after we've gone through the counseling, allowing them to see what God expects from. As long as one person is still saying No, it's no. Now, that old saying, which way it used to go, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't throw the Christian out just because they fell or did not adhere to all to what scripture is saying. Now, I want to be careful with this with this one subject. Okay? You don't throw them out. But we got to start retraining, reteaching, redoing. Divorce is to lose, to release, to dismiss, depart, Often what you in the scripture is put away, or sin away. It is to set at liberty, or set one free. And God does that. God sets one free, and sets one at liberty. Now, we'll talk about remarriage next week, per se but sets one free. Now, you have to ask or explore the question, why? Why? Why are they set free? Even in Matthew 19, you'll see something, a two-sided thing. And Jesus says it. He says, boy, what God has joined together, so he's telling us right off the bat, God's joined this together. God's glued it together. But he comes right back and he says, Let not man put us under. Allowing us to know that man can do something to get in here and do this. If it would just ended with what God has joined together, period. But the moment he says, Let not man do this is saying man has the possibility to sneak in there and do this. The issue here is will God reign supreme in our lives? As much as Gus Brown liked to say, God reigns supreme in every area of my life. It sounds good, it sounds righteous, it sounds religious, it sounds sanctimonious. But Gus Brown know in reality, God doesn't reign supreme where at? In every area of his life. Well, God wouldn't have any more work to do. <laughs> but he's still working. He's still working. My goal is is to allow God to reign supreme in my life in every area. That's my goal. That's what I'm running for. That's what I'm longing for and desiring. But God and I know there's a lot of work yet to be done here. a lot of it. We replace God's authority with our own moral submission. In denying, we favor autonomy. We want to self-govern who? We want to self-govern ourselves in areas of life. And what we basically say to God, Okay, God, I'll handle this. You just go take a break now. I'll handle this section of my life. We want to govern it. We want to be the king in that little area. To deny God's principle in marriage is to remove the requirements regarding relationships. Leaving man's desire to dominate, and I catch this because it's so important, the weaker person or the woman in the situation that the man can dominate And use his wife for whatever purpose he sees fit. When one is not loved, there is something to behold how people will treat them, mistreat them, use them, when one is not fully loved. And one of the reasons that God set forth divorce is that that person would not be dominated by someone who hates them and wants to abuse them and to use them. All relationships on earth is governed by God. All relationships are governed by God. Leviticus 18. One of the things we did with our kids long ago was to sit them down, and we did go through Leviticus 18, because they need to know boundaries also. One of the things that my wife keeps sharing with me that she shares with women often is when you go into a remarriage and your daughter is older, you want to be very careful with that husband that he's marrying you for you and not for who? You got to be very careful. And in Leviticus 18, it gives us some understanding of the limitations. See, a man or a woman can have other people in their life at this certain time. They can have a mother and an aunt. But see, a young boy, and this is what I try to sometimes express, especially to women, a young boy looking at a woman with a slip-on see more than what he needs to see. So even in that perspective... There needs to be a respect for this young man. And even young girls as they're growing up, as they come out of bedroom or come out of wherever, they need to be a certain attire because dad is still also a man. Therefore, in Leviticus, it teaches us those boundaries. And it tells us who we should not be sleeping with or desiring. Even to a point that the son doesn't desire the father's wife. That's his colour. And it breaks it all the way down in relationship. Because in each one of those relationships, God has a limitation. Now suppose you remove those limitations. What do you have? Beastality. But mother and son has a certain relationship different than father and mom. Daughters and sisters, brothers, they all have what? Different relationship, can all love each other, but with a different love, but there are limits to with a brother and a sister. There's limits. And God governs all those relationships. Now when you remove the law or God's word or faith from the relationship all that is left to sustain a relationship is how one feels. Is how one feels. It's not a thing about if i feel like i love elaine cuz we missed in the biblical standard god commands me to love her not about my feelings cuz there's days that we both have gone through that we didn't love each other right then but in honoring our god and honoring our relationship We work through our troubles and our struggles. Because if it only comes to feelings, you're in trouble, deep trouble. In any relationship, in any relationship, if you have a relationship just based on feelings, even with a friend, the least little thing that upsets your emotions or your feelings is over. That's why Peter says, boy, guess what? Love covers what? Multitude of sin. Not your emotions, not your feelings, but love covers it. Love covers it. where feelings and pleasure is the basics of a marriage and not God's word or his plan for marriage, then marriage becomes robbery. Only thing you're doing is robbing from each other. You're taking from each other. You're stealing from each other. I'm stealing your money. I'm stealing your false security. I'm stealing from you. I'm even stealing your sexuality from you. I'm stealing your love because I really don't love you. And we rob from each other. And in a sense, what we wind up doing is destroying each other emotionally. As we rob from each other. Each person using the other for selfish pleasures. For selfish gains. And then departing when there is nothing new to be gained. If there's not something new and something exciting to come along to hold me by, I found something else to play with that's a little bit more exciting and we get caught up with that and we're gone because there's a lack of commitment a lack of loyalty and a lack of being obedient to God's word and you can understand why you'll hear people say I never felt like I was loved but I was just being used Takes a while to wake up to it sometimes, but it's true. And then the hurt behind that and the shame that comes behind that I was such a big what? Fool. Dummy. Didn't see it. Guess what? Everybody else was seeing it, but who? Yeah. and let's go to Malachi two fourteen 14-16 just a couple words we need to dig out because one of the things I want you to recognize is that I'm not encouraging anybody to go out and get a divorce but I have to deal with reality that is what? It's happening And it's happening where we don't even like it in Christian circles. And it's easy to say, well, all they have to do is follow God's Word. Well, you can apply that back into your own life in some areas. If you got a mouth that slips every now and then, the only thing you got to do is what? Apply God's Word. Sweet water and bitter water can't come out the same faucet. If you got a flippy temper that pops off and you're gone, apply the word. Be angry and what? Sin not. Okay. If you got a friend that no longer you count as a friend or whatever, the Lord says, love your enemy and do what? Do good unto them. Yeah. Apply the word. Now we come right back to the divorce situation. Apply the word. But we all don't always apply the word, do we? And it's still there. The word is still valuable. It doesn't make God any less. It doesn't lessen his word. When we don't follow it, we get hurt. When we move ourselves out from under the umbrella of his divine protection, then we get hurt. In Malachi two, starting at verse fourteen. Let me get there. I'm oh, in Matthew 2. I gotta get to Malachi 2. So when they I, I ain't run. It's the same what it's supposed to say. You ask! Why it is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. There's been a breach here. There's been something that's broken. Now, let me bring something to you. Divorce don't happen just because you wake up one day and say, I'm going to get a divorce. Divorce. That divorce has been going on maybe for a year or even more. Because in practicality of life, you've been divorced. The heart has separated itself from you. And when one separates his heart, at that point he no longer desires that individual whether it be male or female. Once the heart separates itself from that person, and you can put it in this way too, for where your heart is, there's your what? Treasure. There's my treasure over there. That's my world in a sense. And that's why every night after work, it's a joy to go home. Sometimes she'd tell me, well, you should be by yourself, cause you by yourself, you and John Wayne, or you or this, or you or that, you know, see. But the comforting feeling is this, you're in the house! (laughs) You're in the house! (laughs) That's the comforting feeling. But once the heart separates, the divorce has already taken place. Now, remember what the scripture says. God is bearing witness to it. And God knows when your heart begins to separate and it begins to wonder. Even though you're still in that house with that person, God knows the moment you stop loving or choosing to love that person. And to love someone is you yourself demanding yourself love that person. Not about what the person do to you. Is you commanding yourself to love that person. And that's what God does with us. He commands his love towards us. No matter how bad sometimes we are. See? But he will not allow because I love you. Give you a privilege to do anything to me. And we'll see that in the scripture somewhere. Yes, I love you, but that does not give you the right to do anything that you so desire to me in hurting me or disrespecting me. So, he says, I'm the witness here. I see what's happening. I see what's going on in this relationship. And nothing's hid from me. Everything is open to me. I see it. And I'm the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. He sees that the moment that takes place. And he goes on, because you have broken faith with her, through though she is your partner, the wife, your marriage, your covenant... Has not the Lord made them one? His flesh and spirit are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly what? Offsprings. He was seeking godly offsprings. That out of this Christian home would come what? Other Christians. Out of that Christian home, other Christians. And the sad part about many of us as Christians, all we want sometime our children to do is just believe anything. And that anything may be sending them to hell because it's totally against everything God stands for, but we just want, oh yeah, he believes. You all see him when he's sitting down Chanting. You all see him when he gets dressed up in his Islam garb and all his periods. You all see. No, he's going to hell. God says he formed this union to bring forth godly offsprings. Children who have been raised in the nurture of the Lord. And he goes on here and he says... Boy, he says now so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth now he says guard yourself why do you have to guard yourself why do you have to guard yourself see Yancey is being told guard yourself I don't know how many female women, secretaries, or other women that work right around his office area. Mm -hmm. But he got to guard what? Himself. So whenever his eyes go that way, he got to come back and think about that one. That's right. Yeah. Now I'm guarding myself. I'm guarding myself. Because see, the enemy doesn't have any respect for Yansen. Satan could care less about the family. How he tears it up, break it up. It's God's plan, and he just wanted to do it. Okay? March down there on campus with all those young girls, and some short dresses, some no dresses almost, and everything else. But his thoughts always got to come back where? He got to guard his heart, because today, this eye gate, it sees everything. But all those thoughts have to be brought into captivity and under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now Jasper's old. <laughs> and he works down there at the gas station. <laughs> and one of those things coming in there wobbling. Yeah. See? And they want to get $10 worth of gas for $5. Now he got to think. He got to guard his heart. He got to guard his heart. Because see, if you give Satan that inch, if you give him a foothold into your thought, into your heart, he's going to take it. So he tells us there, guard your heart. Ladies the same way. Just think, boy, Roscoe slips up. And somebody across the street said, hey, Kitty, 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 hey, kitty. Kitty, kitty, See? Hey. Hey. And one thing about the kitten, you just got to call it rubbing the back. No. And watch how a kitten responds when you rub his back. Hey. Hey. So wife, you got to guard your What? you got to guard your heart. And we both have to always look at it in this fashion. God's still doing a work in us. God's doing a work in my husband. God's doing a work in my wife. God's doing a work in me. God's working in our life. And he says, guard your spirit. Guard your life. You have to work on it. And he says, you want to guard it. And because he was seeking God in the offspring, so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Don't break faith. Now, listen to what he said. He's seeking God in the offsprings. When a Christian home breaks up, what does that do to the offsprings? Boy, does God really exist? Is there a God? Why couldn't God hold my mom and dad together? Why couldn't this happen? Why couldn't that happen? And you got all this anger building up and even questioning now. Because see, I prayed sincerely as a child that my dad and mom would do what? Stay together. And guess what? He didn't make that happen. Now there's that free will we were talking about over in Sunday school. Guard yourself always. Remain loyal to your wife, man. And wives, remain loyal to your husbands. And he goes on a little bit further and he's going to tell us just a little bit about this divorce stuff. He says, I hate divorce, in verse 16, says the Lord. And never forget, he hates it. God of Israel, and I hate a man covering himself with what? Valence. He's in this relationship. And in this relationship, it starts getting balanced. It's starting turning mean towards each other. It begins where we're just destroying each other, hurting each other. And he says, he covers himself with violence. As well as with his garment, says the Lord. And the garment there, many writers take it back to, he's saying to himself, I have a right to divorce. I got this thing from Moses that said, I just got to write a bill of divorce. And that becomes his covering. But it's strange that before he even talks about Moses, in this thing he talks about the balance of men or the balance that can take place in a relationship when love has disappeared. The violence that can take place. The fighting that can take place. The bitterness that you take place. How many of you grew up when there was a, something took place in the home and the woman knew how to go out there and put sugar in the gas tank? <laughs> yeah. And then two days later after they make up, she's saying, Will you take me grocery shopping, honey? Car all broke down, everything else gone. Or you get angry and you wake up, you get ready to go to work, go out there. All your windows are busted. Men, the same way, we get violent. We get hateful. Now, go over to James one twenty with me just for a moment. Keep your hand back here. We're coming right back to it. But go over to James one and, twenty, And men, put this in your mind. Ladies, put this in your mind. Because it's so important to understand how God's going to function now. So in one twenty, he simply says, For man's anger, or a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Your own action will not bring about the righteous life, not so much for the other person, but for who? For you. That you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Because, see, your anger will not produce what is righteous. You will never beat a woman into submission. you withholding money from a woman will never bring her into submission. You verbally abusing a woman will never bring her into submission. And women, your anger... Will not bring somebody into submission. Not cooking properly or not doing or doing whatever the duties of a wife is, the cleaning of the house, the clean clothes, the whole process trying to embarrass him when he's in the front of other people. That will not bring a husband into submission because the word says we should submit to what? One another. We're caring for one another. We're dealing with each other. And he says, your anger will not bring about righteousness. You will not act righteously when you're angry. And then, that whole process. Why? Divorce is allowed. Let's just go through a couple of steps. Divorce is accommodating to a world of sin. That two people will not self-destruct or hurt or kill each other. God's law is this. He hates divorce. No divorce. But before you destroy yourself, God says, here's the way out. The bill of divorce. Here's your way out. Now somebody in that relationship is not willing to yield to God. Or both are not willing to yield to God. And it's the understanding of this also. If one person is yielding to God, they cannot make the other person what? Yeah. Divorce is an accommodation to a world of sin. And when you get two people in a house that hate each other and there's no more love disrespect each other despise each other don't even want to see each other that's a dangerous place to be in now while God is holy and we need to understand this God is holy but God deals with the reality God deals with reality And sometimes we don't want to deal with reality. And sometimes we have to stand up and face, this person really don't love me. This person don't care for me. This person abuses me and uses me. My girls, I used to explain to them why they were going to college. And I will share with them you're going to college for this purpose if it comes to where you have to take care of you you have the means to do so that's number one number two you're going to college that you can be an excellent helpmate to whoever you might get married to that you can really be a helpmate. And number three, if the worst thing happens, you don't have to cow down, beg, and submit, and stay there while somebody abuse you. You have the ability to step out of it and take care of yourself. God is aware of our helplessness. The flesh is weak. The spirit can be willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. God's aware of that. God makes provision for those who are not able to measure up to his demands in a given point of life. It's much like school. School. You may flunk the test today, and the teacher recognize you flunked it, but may be merciful and allow you to take the test, what? Again. So I've come to a point, even with divorces and so forth, God's testing you again to see if you're going to do it right. You may be in your third, fourth try, but the issue is this. When you get it right, there won't be a divorce. And some people have told I don't, I don't like that kind of, I don't like to hear that. I'm not giving you permission to divorce. I'm pointing out this you're not doing it God's way. Somebody in this mix not doing it God's way. and the evidence of that is real life. People will jump out of a marriage here and jump right back into a marriage over here and we're seeing today three and four marriages in one lifetime. So God in his own way has made provisions for those who don't quite live up to his demand. Boy, you got to go back to that test again. The cross itself reveals the tolerant principle of God. God is willing to tolerate the killing of his own son to keep us, from coming under His law and all being sent where? To hell. God tolerates or allows His own Son to be killed that we would not be killed or destroyed by His wrath. You'll see that if you really understand Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And then done what? Come short of the glory. Well, who makes up that shortness? <laughs> okay. And then it is God. The gift of God is what? Eternal what? Eternal life. If it was based on my right action and my proper behavior and me being correct in all the areas that God demands, I would flunk. I would flunk. Now, let's look at divorce maybe just a little bit from God's view. And I think sometimes we miss this. A lot of things that I read and see, I don't see too often that we try to picture it from God's view. Now, when God was forming Israel, I'll use another word, dating Israel in Egypt. Way before even they went into Egypt dating Joseph. God's doing this dating process and allowing them to get to know who? Him. During that whole process, and then when He calls them my people, He never talks about divorce. He never says to Israel, if you don't do right, I'm going to divorce you. Now I catch that little part in Matthew 19 where the disciples, after hearing what Jesus says about marriage, and they said, Lord, this is too hard. It's better if men don't marry. Well, that's what men are doing today. <laughs> because it's too hard. Now, to understand a little bit about this divorce... I went into these areas just a little bit to try to get an understanding of it. Go to Isaiah 51. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 1. He says, This is what the Lord says. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? The second thing he says, or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Understanding of the old testament, if there's a debt to be paid or whatever, that the man could send his children into servitude to help pay the debt. Exodus twenty one, seven. And he says, Which did I send any of you into debtorship or To pay my debt. He didn't do it. But look what he says because of your sins. I gave you this Bill of Rights because of your sins. Does that mean God stopped loving me? God loves the sinner. He will not tolerate the sin. Catch that. See, I love Elaine. She loves me. But there's certain behavior we're not going to allow from each other. We won't allow it. And that doesn't stop us from loving each other. But this behavior is not going to be tolerated in our lives and God is saying your sins if you want to go and just willfully sin that's not going to be tolerated that's not going to be tolerated and then he goes on and he repeats it in a different way and he says it in this way because of your transgression." Transgression means breaking of something, breaking of the law, breaking of the vows, breaking of the law that you are willfully breaking. So we're talking about, boy, our goals, our desires, we're talking about things we want to achieve. But you keep breaking everything that we conclude or we promise or we said we're going to work on, you keep just Breaking it. You keep destroying it. And he says, Because of your sins and your transgressions, I gave your mother, Zion, Israel, a bill of divorce. One of the things that take place even with divorce is not so much sometime adultery, but it comes to a place in that relationship. You can no longer tolerate the breaking of the duties of the man or the woman or the constant transgression of what we have agreed upon. There has to be a stopping point. Now run over to Jeremiah chapter 3. Listen just a little bit more of what God says. And why God writes Israel for Judah a bill of divorce. Starting in verse 8. He says, I gave faithless Israel certificate of divorce how does he describe her? faithless unloving don't care one of the ways I know Elaine loves me she overly protects don't you eat that You don't need that. And sometimes I got a reminder. I'm this old. I can chew what I want to chew on. But she's caring about who? About me. You know. And she's looking out after me. You know. And she'll tell me something. Well, turn on over before I can rub your back. Because the pain in the back. And she want to do this. And she want to do that. You know. But that is all demonstrating what? Love and care. Now I'm there in pain and nothing's being said. Better wake up. <laughs> hey. He says, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear or no reverence or no respect about me either, as they watched how one did, the other one did. And goes on and says She also went out and committed adultery. Because Israel's Morality mattered so little. Okay, older ladies, get ready. This just came to thought up here now. Remember in Peter where it says the older ladies should teach the younger ladies how to love their what? How to love their husbands. That as you are showing love and respect for your husband, that younger girl is catching that. She's learning from you. Not that life's been easy for you. But what they see is your obedience unto God in respect and honor of your husband. And they're learning then. You're mirroring what it is to be a godly woman. You're mirroring that for someone always younger. A mother would daughters are always mirroring what a godly wife should be and a husband is always mirroring to his son what a godly husband should be and he simply says again he says there was no fear, there was no reverence they're doing just like Israel, Judah's just doing the same thing, they're seeing one do it so they'll do it Because Israel's immoral mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense and declares the Lord. She it may be slow coming. But when somebody pretends to love you you really know it's not love and God says I'm going to put you away from me because see you don't sincerely love me with all your heart you're pretending oh you're worshipping oh you call yourself praising me all that is what we were talking about in Matthew 7 earlier Yeah, it comes from the mouth, but it's not coming from where? The heart. It's not coming from the heart. And God says, you're just pretending to worship me. You're just pretending to love me. You're just pretending to be sincere about me. And after a while, when you're in a relationship, and it's all pretense, it it falls down. And then you begin to see it. And the thing is, what usually come out is this. Well, if you didn't love me, why didn't you just tell me? And what the person is basically saying is this. You should have told me this three years ago. Not pretend that you love me. Not pretend that you care about me. Not pretend. And God says, I wrote you a bill of divorce because of your unfaithfulness your insincerity, and your pretense that you put up. In Deuteronomy 24 now, run to it with me real quick and we'll see if we get done in the next five minutes here. In 24, Moses is allowed to give this bill of divorce. Now, understand this. Jesus himself never really spoke about divorce. He answered questions concerning divorce that was asked of him. But he himself never brought it up. He only answered the question that was put to him. And that's one reason he answered. From the beginning, it was not so. He's just implying what was asked of him. Jesus himself never really just spoke about divorce, but he's answering the question that was put to him. In Deuteronomy 24 1, I want to open your eyes just to something because either he's illustrating or there's some truth in this also. For that, when we handle some things next week. Now, some of you may say, well, who's going through a divorce here? Who's going? No. All of us know somebody who's going through it or has what? Gone through it or we've been through it. It's just the reality of life. And he says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing or unfavorable, Or he has lost that zeal. Or she don't have the grace of his eyes or the favor of his eyes any longer. That she's not the number one person in his heart. He says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing, she's unfavorable. She's no longer receiving the grace that she once received. She's not receiving that true love to him because he finds something indecent about her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce. Either one of you could start this in today. But back then, The woman could not divorce the man. Only the man could divorce the woman. It wasn't until the Greeks and the Romans came along that women could divorce. So even when we read the book of Mark, Jesus in one of his replies, because Mark is written to Romans, he answers in this manner: even the woman should not seek a divorce. Because he understood under the Roman law and Greek law she could. And you only find it in Mark. You don't find it anywhere else. Now I believe he's writing it because again there were Romans and Greeks who were coming also to him. And he sets this record straight. You may have by law the right to divorce. But I'm saying to you, you shouldn't. And for Roman women... For every marriage they had, they, they had the rings on. And they were proud that they were five, six, seven. And he says, you shouldn't. Now stay with me here in just this, this little bit here. He says, and if after she leaves his house, becomes the wife of another man. Right there, we don't really know how to handle when it says in Matthew 19, "You cause her to commit adultery." Now, I want you to take a good look at that text. Nothing about adultery is what? Mentioned. Nothing's mentioned. Hey. And it says she even went off and married another. And some will very quickly jump to the main principle, and I think that's true, we should. That is for some reason, Either by she getting a bill of divorce from this second husband, or even if he dies, she cannot return to who? The first husband. And what God is basically saying is this. What's changed? (laughs) And plus, also, she's already now been with what? Another man. Can't go back to the first husband. He says, no such thing should be even spoken in Israel. And if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man. And her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce and gives it to her and sends her from his house. Or if he dies, she's totally free, isn't she? He says, then her first husband who divorced her, is not allowed to marry her again. And after she has been defiled, that would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. At that point. You don't do it. Now, falling short on what God is demanding therefore God allows this divorce because of the evil allowing divorce is not evil is dealing with the evil allowing the, the divorce is not evil but in some ways that's the only way you can deal with what is evil When somebody sincerely don't love you, or somebody's belittling you, or somebody's battering you with words, and demeaning you with words, or hitting you physically, the only thing is, is that separation or that divorce. And God hates divorce. But sometimes the only way to deal with evil is to get away from it. That we get away from it. Now understand, that could be an alcoholic wife. That every dime I bring in the house, drinking it up, drugging it up, partying it up, and I can't save a dime. It could be a wife that just loves men, but don't love me. It could be a man. But how do I deal with the sin in my home then? How do I deal with the sin that's in my life? I separate from it. Called divorce. The same thing, and I got to be careful here. The same thing God did with the sinfulness of Israel and Judah, he in a sense separated himself from He separated himself from it. He separated himself from it. Now, could God make us puppets and control us? Yes. But understand this. God is always present and helping us even through the process of a divorce. He's helping us all the way. What God will not do for us Is make our decision. He's there. He knows what's going on. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll reveal his will. But he won't make the decision for you. Again, that's where that free will comes in now. A lying divorce was not evil, but dealing with evil. Because God knows our journey, and you have to realize that. God knows my journey from beginning to end. He is there to help, but not there to make my decisions for me. In Hebrews thirteen five, his promise is, I'll never leave. I'll never leave. Now, either that's true or it's not true. Either God is saying, okay, while you go through this dirt, I'm going to go over here. (laughs) When you're all done with taking care of your business, then I'll come back. He says, no, I'll never leave you. You may not be doing exactly what I want you to do, but I'm not going to leave you. Now here comes the proof of that. Even though God gave Israel a paper of divorce and when he sent them into exile he said go into exile and cause the cities to prosper. Now who can do that but God? In one sense I'm getting punished but on the other sense I'm getting blessed that I can what? Cause the The ones who's holding me captive to prosper. Who can do that but God? And even while they were in captivity, he didn't abandon them, he kept them. Now look at God. He says, this group, from this age to this age, will not go into the promised land. And he sends them out into the wilderness. But isn't it strange they didn't have no J.C. Pennies. They didn't have no target to run to. They didn't have, but yet God kept them clothed and their shoes didn't wear out. Who was doing that? Yeah. It's a demonstration of God's love even when he punishes or allows things to happen that are not perfectly lined up with his will. He never, never leaves me. He walks through it with me. And then he helps me. Let me share something with you. When you go through a crisis in life, you don't recover on your own. And guess what? Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all his friends couldn't do what? But God is able. God is able to bring healing afterwards. God's able to begin to put life back together for you. That's the amazing part about our God. And in Proverbs 24, he says it in this fashion. The righteous shall fall seven times, but seven times he will what? Arise. Arise get back up get back up and we all have different failures in life somewhere but God is there to help you do what get back up and he who has begun a good work in you because he knows your journey he knows the potholes in your life he knows the bumps in your life that's part of what Ken was talking about. God knows that child's life and what that child's going to have to go through. But God is there. He's not absent. Raised in an alcoholic home, but in a foster home, boys' town, but through all of that adventure, guess who else was there? May not know it. May not realize it. But one day the light bulb goes on and I see everything around me. And all I can do is say, Thank you, Lord. Because you rescued me. You delivered me. You brought me out of the Maori clay and put my feet upon a solid foundation. Lord, you begin to do a new work in my heart that I would forget about the things of old, that they would not hunt me so bad, they would not destroy me. And you begin to build a new person, a brand new person. And the only one who can do that is God. Is God. Divorce happens. But that's not the end of the story if I wake up breathing the next day. God still has a plan for me. God still wants me to become a godly man, a godly woman. God still wants to use me. He may not be able to use me at the capacity that Boy, once one, but yet God still wants to use me. God still wants to touch my life. God still wants me to have an impact in his kingdom. God still loves me. And that message has to get through. That people are still loved by God. No matter what. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you guide us through the next few sermons because, Lord, we're not here to.